0: It's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, episode number 474 for February 3rd, 2017. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. We are back with Bart Bouchots and Programming myself, episode 29 of X. Hey, Bart.
1: 29 of X? Oh, sugar, I'm on the wrong page. <laughs>
0: Uh-oh. Well, maybe I'm on the <laughs> wrong page.
1: No, no, you're on the right page. I just realized that I'm on the wrong page, <laughs> literally.
0: All right, well, so the first thing I want to say today is that I was really excited to get back from the gym because I had one last piece left to do on my programming by self homework, and I was so excited to work on it, and I got home and I realized I'd already finished all of them. I was all mad. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's wonderful. Now, I must admit I had a little bit of help on the side by you, but I think I'm, I, I feel like I made real progress this week.
1: Oh, well, good. Excellent. That's exactly what I hope to hear.
0: And I've had fun. I'm having fun. I'm just like, oh, I got to make some time because I want to go play with my uh, with my PBS. Like, I just had a blast.
1: Well, cool, excellent. Um So before we even get stuck into looking at a sample solution to our homework, I actually want to take a, a slight detour and say that I, well, I think we both arrived at a conclusion during this week, and that conclusion is that the PBS Playground is not big enough for the kind of <laughs> stuff we're doing with it now. It's,
0: We've outgrown it, huh?
1: We have genuinely outgrown it because it was built as a sort of a very temporary home while we learned the basics, and its biggest shortcoming is in its error reporting. It will simply tell you the error JavaScript threw, but it has no way of figuring out which line of your code that error came from. And so, if you have five lines of code and it says, "Well, there's an error," and it's a bloody blah error, that's probably okay. But if you have a hundred lines of code and all you know is that somewhere there's an unmatched
0: parenthesis, <laughs> well, if you're so lucky, good. if it tells you you got an unmatched parenthesis,
1: right? So we need we need a better uh, a better playground, a better place to play. And I'm actually kicking myself for not having thought of this weeks ago uh, because we actually have a perfectly good answer. We've already used it to play around with uh, the uh, JS doc commenting stuff. It's Node.js, which is a command line based JavaScript interpreter. Ah. So we actually installed Node together. Yeah. Node Node is over at Node.js.org. It's free, open source and cross platform, which (laughs) meets all of our boxes.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Very easy to install. If you go there, you're going to find an installer for your operating system offered to you. There'll be two big green buttons. One of them will be labeled most recent version or something like that. And the other one will be labeled LTS within brackets underneath recommended for most users. So LTS is long term support. So it's basically the stable version. So that's the one you should install. That's the one I have installed anyway. Okay. You know, when a website tells me I think most users should do this, I, I believe it.
0: At least start there.
1: Right, exactly. So once you have Node.js installed, which I'm just going to call Node from now on because I hate saying Node.js, then actually if you save your JavaScript into a text file and just say node space path to the text file, Node will run the JavaScript for you. And in in fact, inside its brains, Node is, I believe, the V8 engine, which is the same JavaScript engine that powers Google's Chrome browser. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, JavaScript is JavaScript, right? It doesn't have to be in a browser. So the V8 engine, actually, I'm pretty sure it's V8 that powers Node. But either way, it's got the brains of a browser in the command line is one way of looking at it. So we simply say Node space, name of file, enter, and Node will run the file. And if there's errors, it will tell you error on bloody blah error, on line blah, it will show you the line, and it will put a little carrot under the bit where it just completely lost the plot. <laughs> That doesn't mean that's exactly where your error is, but that's where JavaScript just ceased to understand. So if you left out a curly brace somewhere, it may not get confused until a little bit further down when it meets another one or something. But that will be the point that the compiler gave up. There will be some text. There will be a line number. So you're much more armed, much better armed for dealing with bugs in your code than you are in the playground, which just tells you it went wrong somewhere.
0: So in case anybody hasn't been following along closely, uh, um, it's real easy to do this. You type node space and then drag your file name straight out of the finder into the terminal and hit enter. And it spits out everything that it would have spit out at the bottom if it had run and tells you what's wrong. That's uh, that's pretty cool.
1: Yes. Now, if you're using node to run your file. You then also need an editor to type your file in because you no longer have the Playground to type it in. I guess you could type it in the Playground copy and paste it into a text file (laughs) and then save the text file, but that seems a bit awkward. So you should probably have a programming editor of some sort. And the only actual requirement is that it write plain text files, not formatted text files, so not Word. Um, So
0: technically you could use text edit if if you remember to set it to not format it.
1: If you set it to plain text mode, you can indeed use text edit.
0: Yeah, I'm That's actually going to do review a re- review of the one that you told me to uh, check out that I've been so happy with. Oh, good. So,
1: so I don't want you to jump there just yet, but we'll we'll get there.
0: Yeah, no, I'm so, saying you don't need to cover it here because I'm going to do a full review on it oh, later. Cool. Okay,
1: okay. Um, so... The only real requirement is that it saves the text files. But actually, in order for it to be useful, there's another requirement. It really should do syntax highlighting for JavaScript. Mm-hmm. It should probably do the basics like bracket matching so that are, and parentheses matching so you see where stuff lines up. Uh, maybe some auto-indentation would be nice. And actually, in an ideal world, it would have enough code intelligence to auto-complete function names and stuff because it can see what you've already defined and then tell you, oh, well, you must be trying to type pbs.date or whatever. So we actually have already in this very series discussed an editor such as that, Atom. So if all else fails, the free open source cross-platform editor Atom will do the trick just fine.
0: Yep. There's stuff I didn't like about it. I'm trying to remember. I've tried about 28 of them in the last week. Because it's sort of like when you know you should do your homework and you end up cleaning the bathroom. It's like, ooh, well, if I just yeah. had the perfect editor, I'd understand object-oriented programming.
1: Right? Well, when I was a student, my personal homepage only ever got updated once a year. Exam time. <laughs> I should have been sitting and I was, all, you know, footsing around with my personal homepage. <laughs> year after year. Anyway. Um, you do need to make two very small changes to your JavaScript code to divorce your code from P- from the PBS Playground. The first is you need to uncomment the namespace declaration that you had to comment out for the own for the sole and simple reason that the Playground was a bit odd. So you comment that out, uncomment that out, or comment it in, or whatever the opposite of commenting out is. So, var pbs equals pbs question mark pbs colon uh, squirrely squirrely semicolon. That is now back in as the top of the file. And then you need to do a global find and replace for pbs.say and replace it with console.log. And then your code will just work. Yeah, it does. Uh, It does. Now, the final thing to say is the editor you're going to talk about, so... The basic model is have some sort of editor like Atom, write your code, save it to a JS file, and then run the JS file through Node using a terminal window or a DOS window or whatever you have in yourself, and that will work. But wouldn't it be nice if you could just hit a button inside your actual code editor and make it run? And you can do that with Code Runner, which is the app that uh, I bought today, and I believe you're going to review it. So I and I bought
0: today in the Mac App Store today as well, fifteen dollar.
1: Oh, okay. So €14.99 for us Europeans. Nice. But yeah. Did you so buy it that, Direct really, or did you yeah. buy it in the
0: Mac App Store?
1: I bought it in the Mac App Store and okay. then I ended up using their conversion technique to turn it into the Direct one because oh. sandboxing gets in the way of certain features.
0: Oh, good to know. Good to know.
1: But it's really easy. They basically tell you, you are being hampered by the Mac App Store version. Click here to follow instructions for upgrading. And basically they run some little magic thing and it generates you a license key and then you download from their website and put in the license key. Hmm. It's great. So, yeah, I'm really happy with it.
0: Okay, so now let's look at our chat. did we hear about that originally from? Did you find
1: that or somebody else? I found it because I was interested in... uh, Oh, that that, new
0: app store thing.
1: Yeah, the subscription-based app thing for the Mac. Right. And I basically went in and had a look at all 60-odd apps to see if there was anything cool. And I ended up deciding I just... There were only two cool apps, so I bought them. (laughs) Instead of subscribing for two apps, I just bought them. For about the same as six months worth of subscription. So I think that's probably better for me. Anyway, let us now look at our solution to the challenge from the last time. But I have written my solution not for the playground, but I have written my solution for running through Node.js. So my solution does not have pbs.says all over it. It has console.logs. And it does start with pbs equals pbs question mark pbs and all that glop. Right. So where we had left our story is that we had written. uh, We had written pretty decent versions of our prototypes for date, time, and date time. But we found some issues with them, which I then suggested you go off and fix. And really, the new skill was this concept of having private helper functions, which are contained within the self-executing anonymous function, which means they're not in the global namespace, so they're not littering up the global namespace when people use your API. But they are available within the self-executing anonymous function, which means you can make use of them in all your prototypes. So we basically said you make one big self-executing function, put all three of your prototypes in it, along with their helper functions. And then instead of duplicating the code for checking if something is an integer, you just make a helper function. And instead of duplicating your code for padding zeros in front of things that are less than 10, you just use your helper function, and so on and so forth. So that was the skill I had hoped to teach and the 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 challenge basically laid out some things like that to do so that your code would be more clean, more better, basically no copy pasting and just better designed code, which will make it much easier to maintain and debug and generally manage. Right. Which is good. Uh, I also then gave you a little bit more homework to um, to deal with the fact that the way things stood, so dates are weird things. And while the 31st of December is a valid date, the 31st of January is also valid. The 31st of March? No, that's valid too. February! Sing the song. Not...
0: Come on, nobody can do it without the song.
1: <laughs> 30 days has November.
0: You'll notice that my my uh, if statements are written in the order of the song. April, June, and November. They're not in the right order at all. Actually, that is in order, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so we had
1: three separate accessor methods, which meant that we could never change a date in one go. We could only change a date by first changing one of the three, then changing another of the three, and then changing the last of the three. And if you went from one valid date to another valid date, you might pass through an invalid date. So going from the 31st of December in one year to the 2nd of February or something the same year, if you didn't do the day first, you'd end up with the 31st of February temporarily, and that would cause problems. Right. So we needed new accessor functions, which had the ability to set all three at once. And because people could have different preferences for what order dates go in, I didn't want you to do one, I wanted you to do three. American format, European format, and international format. And I didn't want you to duplicate code. So what I wanted you to do was to write it once. Take your choice. I chose to do my do everything function as international because that way I wasn't showing favoritism. (laughs) And then in both European and American, I call international and let international do the work. So the actual implementation of the new functionality into American and European became a one-liner. Just basically let international do the work, just reorder the arguments. So what I got as the first argument, I'll pass through as the second argument and vice versa. You know, you know, you get the idea, just rejiggle the, the order of the arguments and pass the same information on. And you can think of it as subcontracting. It's like, yeah, you've asked me to do it, but I know the guy over there who can do it. I'm just going to let him do it. <laughs>
0: So the, the, I think they were sort of the highlights of the homework. Um, yeah, also, and oddly, as... that was the, the one part I really got stuck on. And Bart spent an hour and 25 minutes with me yesterday teaching me how to do it. The part that was hardest for me was understanding how to take one of these functions and shove it into the other one. And and uh, at the end of yesterday, I understood it. We'll see if I can do it again the next time we have to do it.
1: Oh, you'll be doing that all the time. That is that is one of those skills that you you will always, always
0: be doing. Okay. Um, I, I do want to add a little bit of comedy to the end of the, a, a, in the middle of this, I asked Bard. I said, what I don't understand is why you haven't given up on me yet. And what was it you said? Or, or just start yelling at me. What kind of a moron are you that I've told you this 168 times? And your answer was. Well, I used to do this
1: for a living, right? I, thought, <laughs> I, I used to, I used to tutor first years in Java programming. So, and I also used to teach second years in uh, web programming.
0: I I like to think Bart was saying he's taught people even dumber than me, but he didn't say it that way. So that was good. But it's not, it's not about intelligence. It's about paying attention. It's
1: not about that either. It's about developing new pathways in your brain. It's about thinking differently.
2: Hmm.
1: And that, it takes time to lay those down. And there will be a, a, there will be a petty dropping moment. Once those pathways are laid and you've, paved over them a few times by using them, they will be there, and they'll be there for the rest of your life.
0: Okay, good. But if good. you haven't thought that way before, why would they exist? That asphalt's still wet, I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The kids are riding bicycles more, across it right now. We have more
1: assignments to do, or challenges to do, so we will we will work on it. Okay, so at this stage, our prototype is actually coming along quite well. So we're able to make dates... Rejigger them, print them out in many different formats. I think in the assignment, I also asked you to print them out in a nice Englishy format. So, I used a little lookup table to translate from um, one to January and so forth. And then I also had a little function called get ordinal, which takes an integer and returns either st, nd, rd, or th- <laughs> for first, second, third, etc. Uh, but again, there is a little helper functions, so you can call them. I, I did that part
0: know. all by myself. I didn't even call you. I noticed that. I don't. I don't know that I did it right. Uh, actually, I'm noticing mine is actually mine is actually inside of prototype.english. You did yours outside, which is okay, so you, actually.
1: Yeah, which is fine
0: because that's English the only is the only function
1: it. that needs it. So it, yeah, it, it, both are perfectly valid in that case.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, And I do want to study your lookup table because I know I wanted to use a lookup table, but for the life of me, I couldn't find an example that helped me figure out how to use one. So I will study your notes uh, later to figure out how to do that in the future because I knew that was the right answer and I did it successfully, but I did it in a weird way.
1: Okay, well, I must have a look at your solution out there as well. Just, <laughs> just out of curiosity.
0: Elegant, I don't know if that's the word we would use. Basically, I said var uh, space month lookup equals squiggly bracket, uh, one colon function, anonymous function return January. So it's, it's just got a lot of text. It's a lot of. It sounds.
1: It works though, which is good. It, works. it does sound a bit clunky.
0: It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not elegant. It, I mean, okay. it's human readable. It says one, return January, but I like it the way was, you did so we'll so. have. I'll we'll have a, have a, look, uh, later. Have a okay. look
1: later. So our code at this stage is, it's almost, there's one bad smell left, and then there's a few enhancements to do. Now we're only going to do one of them today. We're going to eradicate the last real stinker of a bad smell, <laughs> and then the next time we're going to, we're going to add some really useful functionality. And the time after that, we have one more little bell to add, a little okay. bow to put on top. Uh, but then we'll be done with these prototypes. Um, so the stink we have is because of a subtlety that I have done my best to sort of to mention it, almost like a mantra. But I haven't stressed it to the point where we break something, and that's kind of because we haven't had a chance. So I tell you, or I have told you many times, that variables contain numbers, strings, booleans, or references to objects. And I never say that a variable contains an object. I say it contains a reference to an object. And that is critically important. Hmm. And the difference between containing an object and containing a reference to an object can, if you're not aware of it, cause what I'm going to call spooky action at a distance. I might also call it drive you positively insane bugs that you will never figure out, or that will take you years to figure out, and will drive you nutty as squirrel poo. Like <laughs> the, these are the kind of bugs.
0: Squirrel poo is al- probably really nutty. I had not thought about that. That was the most
1: uh, work-friendly analogy I could come up with. Cause there you go. <laughs> so, say
0: say again, what is what is this distinction?
1: Okay. So when you're storing a simple value like a number, or a boolean, or a string the variable actually contains the number, the boolean, or the string. But when you assign a variable equal to an object, what the variable actually contains is a reference to that object. Think of it like a house address. I haven't put Allison's house into the variable x. I have put the address of Allison's house into the variable x because the variable can't really contain something as massive as an object. I mean, objects could, in theory, contain gigabytes of data. In theory, um, in reality, they probably contain less, but they could be any size. So they can actually fit into a variable. So what JavaScript actually does is it sets away a little bit of RAM and then it takes the address of that little bit of RAM and it puts that address as the value of the variable.
2: Can
0: you so give an call example a of a variable that we've, where we've done this? Far
1: x equals new pbs.time. Anytime you, see, anytime you make an object, you are using a reference. You have no idea that you are because it looks like you're just doing an assigns equal to. So what's you said
0: happening... that var x, in our case, we were doing it yesterday. You were saying P, uh, Bart's birthday, whatever. Var x mm-hmm. uh, equals new PBS.time. You said x was an object. So it is an right. object.
1: So what I, but... X is actually a reference to an object. Okay. So for all intents and purposes, x behaves like the object.
0: But, it, is, but it does not contain it.
1: It doesn't contain it. It contains a reference to it. And this. So I think becomes, you said it was
0: an instance of, didn't you? It contains a
1: reference to an instance of.
0: So oh, the no. object is an
1: instance of a prototype. So the, all right, so the object is an instance of a prototype. Every object belongs mm-hmm. to a prototype that created it. Otherwise, it doesn't come into existence. Um, and that instance is your object. And you will give that instance a name by saying some variable becomes equal to that object. But you think you're saying becomes equal to that object because that's what it looks like. But you're actually saying becomes equal to a reference to that object. And where this really starts to come into play is when you put one object equal to another. So let's first look at behavior for normal things, non-objects, plain old data. Now this example is going to look like I'm stating the blindingly obvious, but I genuinely want to state the blindingly obvious to show you how objects are different. So. Let's say we have a variable called x and we, may, we assign it equal to the value 4.
0: You mean it becomes 4.
1: Yes, so, we, yeah, so x is assigned equal to 4, becomes 4, whatever, whatever okay. phrase we had for that. We then say console.log initial value of x, x. Then we say var y becomes equal to x. And then we say the value of y was set equal to x. And then we show what y is and y we would imagine will also be 4. And then we say y plus equals 10. So y becomes equal to whatever it was with 10 more stuck on the end. And then after we do that, we just print out the values of x and y, and x is still four, but y has become 14. So this is utterly unsurprising. And if you run it, you will see that that's exactly what happens. X at the end is four and y is 14. So there was no connection created between x and y. A copy of the number four was put from X into Y. And then afterwards, when you altered Y, it had no effect on X whatsoever. And that's what you'd expect. Yes?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yes, I mean, don't look for something subtle here.
0: Yeah, nothing subtle here.
1: (laughs) Right? I am stating the blindingly obvious. The thing is, when we try to do something similar with variables, it no worky like that. Sorry, with objects, it, it doesn't work like that because what gets copied is not the object because the object isn't in the variable. The reference gets copied. So you end up with two variables containing the same address, the same reference. So when you mess with X, you're also messing with Y because X and Y are not two copies of the object. They're two copies of a reference to the same object. So those have become connected to each other and they can cause what i call spooky action at a distance so i'm going to illustrate this with a similar example but this time it doesn't go the way intuition would have you believe so var x becomes equal to new pbs.time 17 comma 30 so home time for me console.log x represents the time and then we say x dot time 12 and that will print out five thirty p.m Okay. Var y becomes equal to x. Then we have a console.log stating what is hopefully the obvious. Y represents the time. Y.time12. Typo in show notes. For oh,
0: okay. Myself.
1: So that on line four there, it should be y.time12.
0: Right. It'll be fixed by the time they see it. Okay. It'll be
1: fixed by the time they see it. Um, And then we console.log that again and it will be y represents the time. 5.30 p.m. And then we say y.hours9.minutes0. So we're setting y to 9pm. Okay. And then we do console.log. After altering y, and we print out y, x is now, and we print out x.
0: Would they both be 9?
1: They're both
0: 9. Because we connected them together. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. That doesn't seem illogical. So you must have described it well. Phew.
1: Okay. That... (laughs) That is the one thing I want to communicate with you today. And then part B of that is, okay, so now we know Okay, this we're fact. good. Talk to you next week, Bart. Oh. <laughs> well, no, we now know this fact. We now have to take that into account in how we design our prototypes. Okay. Because we actually don't want this kind of spooky action at a distance coming from either our constructors or from our accessor methods. So if I make a time and then I create a date time from that time, when I change the time, I don't want the date time I made from it to change too. We need to find a way of actually copying objects so that when you use an object as the input to a constructor, you're not permanently connecting those things together. We need some sort of mechanism for cloning. We need to clone objects. We need to become Dolly the Sheep. Well, well they befo- need to okay. become
0: Dolly the Sheep.
1: They need to become Dolly the Sheep. So before, before I show you how to make Dolly the Sheep, I am going to just illustrate to you why, we, why this is so important.
0: By the way, there might be people listening who are young enough they don't know who Dolly the Sheep is. First ever cloned
1: and live thing. Yeah. First time we managed to clone something, it was a sheep called Dolly. <laughs> there we go. In Scotland, I believe. Certainly in course, the British Of I'll. course anyway. it was. <laughs> so we have here a little piece of code that looks very simple on its face. So var T equals new PBS.time five comma zero. So five PM.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Var D equals new PBS.date one comma five comma twenty fifteen, which is the first of May twenty fifteen for reasons I don't even remember. <laughs> And now we say var dt becomes equal to new pbs.dateTime d, t. So I am building a date time with its starting date, with its date as d and its time as t. So that should create an object which is 5 p.m. on the 5th of June, So the 5th of May, 1st of May, 2015. Right. And when we do our console.log, that is indeed what we get. Okay. Now we don't do anything to Dt. We leave DT entirely alone and I just say T dot hours ten. And now when I print out DT again, Dt has become ten PM because DT is still connected to T.
2: Because sure. our constructor.
1: Well, but that's what our, I would expect it to do. But that's not what we want it to do. We do not that's well, how do you know that at a
0: how do you know that isn't what you want it to do? Why isn't that just exactly what you tried to do?
1: Okay, well, in 99.9% of the times, it's not what you would want to do. The exceptions are when you're building up linked data structures, which we will come to in some weeks. Dorothy so said weeks. that part's fun. It is fun. It is genuinely fun. But if you rush into it, it's the opposite okay. of fun.
0: But I, I can't think of an example. This seems like a perfectly valid way if I've got this, this variable okay. dt. And it is. Let me see if I can say it right. It is an instance of the object pbs.dateTime. Date time. Mm-hmm. Did I say it right? Whew. Yes. You Bart did. and I have been practicing. Um, so I've got this variable DT. How else would I change the time to ten? Other well, than you would telling actually, T. Well, actually,
1: no. You would tell DT. You would use DT's accessor to say DT. dot whatever,
0: or DT. Time dot whatever. Change that yeah. to ten.
1: Yeah. So, you could oh, make an argument. Okay,
0: okay right, right, right. Because you don't want to have to always keep going back to that first function to shove it in. Okay.
1: Well, what, oh. if, what if you created five dates, five d- date times with the same time, but on different days?
0: Oh. And then
1: you changed one of them to a different time, then all of your date times would change. And that's definitely not what you wanted.
0: Okay. I'm bought in. I hate that. You're that's terrible. In. We should never do that. Yeah. All right.
1: That's one way it can go wrong. Okay. Another way it can go wrong is the opposite. So when, you, when your accessors get things wrong. So you could say var dt equals new PBS uh, date time, and we pass it in a new PBS.date 25.12.2016 and a new PBS.time. Uh, ooh, scroll. <laughs> uh, okay, go into a new window. Anyway, it's a time. It doesn't really matter what time it is. It's a time. Oh, it's midnight. Okay. Um, Then we console.log the original date so we can see what it is. It's the 20, it's midnight on the on Christmas 2016. Then we say uh, var d equals dt.date. So we're basically saying, I now just want to mess with the date part of that date time that already exists. I'd like a copy of that piece. Okay. So we just use the accessor to pull it out. And then I say, actually, I want next Christmas. So I say d.year 2017. Well, I've now changed my original date time as well as my date. So both dt and d got changed just because I used the accessor. So So that again is... uh, Wait, this assumes
0: you had that var d from the previous chunk of code.
1: Right, so in line three, var d equals dt.date. That's the point where it went wrong.
0: Hang on, is this is this standalone code we're talking about here, or does this refer back to what we did earlier in the in this does the not block refer above? back to
1: what we did earlier. This is okay. this only assumes the prototypes exist. So on line three, we make D okay. and we say I'd like D to be whatever date is currently inside that date time over there. Because the date time contains a date and a time. Okay. So give me your date, Mr. DateTime. Okay. And then we alter D, and in the process we've also altered D T. Um...
0: Again,
1: spooky action at a distance. Einstein didn't like that stuff. And I don't like it either. Now, Einstein was wrong because quantum mechanics is weird. uh, (laughs) Our programming shouldn't be.
0: Nerd humor. Okay.
1: So that's why we want to learn how to clone. There will be times when we make the informed decision that we want to throw around references. And that's a perfectly valid thing to do when you want to throw around references but only if you want to throw around references. And that's the point, so you also, to, do
0: it with, with, uh, to do it with anger, as, as uh, Don McAllister would say.
1: Exactly. So with intent. And so just like I've told you it's good practice to always provide a function named toString, because that's useful to the JavaScript language and is useful to everyone who ever uses your code, there is another function I want you to add to every prototype you ever write, and that is the function Clone. And all clones, clones only job in life is to use a constructor to build a new object which has one condition. That new object should represent the same value as the original. That's what a clone is, right? It's a new thing that has the same insides as the old thing. So it's actually a copy. It's not another reference. It's a whole fresh copy. So we're going to have to use the word new inside our clone function so that we actually get a whole new one.
0: Okay. So, I, I'm, clone, I'm pausing just because I don't know what we're gonna which one we're going to use when we go to use our function. Do we use the clone really, or the real one?
1: That's, a, that's our choice. That becomes our choice. So we then have the choice, do we want to clone or do we not want to clone? So I can say x becomes equal to d or x becomes equal to d.clone. If I say d.clone, I don't want to create a link. If I don't say dot .clone, I do want to create a link.
0: So that means I 99 times choice. out of 100, you have to say clone. Most of the time, you probably want to clone. Huh. Most likely. That's a lot of extra It does depend text. on what you're doing, right? Sure, I, yeah. But this gets back to where I thought that was a logical thing to do. Well, if we did that with anger, then sure, go ahead and use the real one. But you really want to use the clone one.
1: Yeah. Huh. As I say, it completely depends. So if you're doing something like a family tree or something, you actually intentionally want to pass around references because you you don't want... When you say that, you know, Kyle is your son and Steve, son, you don't actually want two Kyles.
0: Right, because when you go back and you add his middle name, you don't want to to have to do it twice.
1: And stuff like that. So in those kind of data structures where you're making connections between existing objects, you actually genuinely want to copy references. So you're just saying link that to that to that to that. And you know it's the same same Kyle, the same Steve, the same Allison. If you get my drift. Yeah, yeah. So again, it's about deciding. So it's just good practice when you write a prototype, Write a constructor, write accessor methods, write your two string, and write your clone. Just part of the process. So for simple data, cloning is really simple. So what okay, so again I'm gonna drive this home over and over again. So the simple data are exactly three things numbers, strings, and booleans. So if your prototype contains only numbers, strings, and booleans then you can do a really, really easy one-line clone function. So the time prototype contains three pieces of data, a number, another number, and another number. So that is a simple prototype to clone because it only contains simple information. Yes? Yes. So the clone function is literally three lines of code. In fact, you could write it as one line because it's basically pbs.time.prototype.clone equals function, which takes no arguments. Return new pbs.time this dot underscore hours, comma this underscore minutes, comma this dot seconds.
2: That looks
0: pretty
1: so simple. You're saying,
2: I so
1: Make me a new time with the same hours as me the same minutes as me, and the same seconds as me. And because hours, minutes, and seconds are numbers, you're not accidentally passing around uh, a reference. You're passing around actually 12 or 14 or whatever. and So that works, and that's it. You're finished. Wait, you said you as help. me. What do you
0: mean as me? This is okay, so, so, so this so- is after the, the prototype gets created, you sort of say, okay, I'm not going to actually use that one. I'm going to clone it and then use it with these new values that are in it.
1: Yes, with one substitution, replace the word prototype with the word instance. So you make a time like home time. So var home time equals five PM. Okay. And you might then say var other home time equals five PM or equals home time. clone. That should give you another five PM that's not linked with any spooky action at a distance to your first time. Oh so p.m. I have
0: to Oh, so when I when I make these later, I have to do them I have to you have use to the clone. choose whether you I want have to clone. use the clone.
1: If you want mm-hmm. to clone. So if you want to say that Allison's right, home right. time is the same as Steve's home time, don't clone. Okay. If you want to say that Steve's home time is a copy of Allison's home time, do clone. When I want to copy, I clone.
0: So you don't just define this clone function uh, in, the, in the code. You also, when you use it, you have to say, I want to use the clone, not the real one.
1: Yes. So you define the clone function in your code and you use it every time you want to copy.
0: Okay.
1: Hmm. So you basically, expi- if I don't say clone... That's a pretty big smell. It is a pretty big smell that we had no cloning, wasn't it? Yeah. So time is easy, and date is also three numbers. So I'm not going to do date for you. That's part of your homework. So I'm going to assume that date and time now have clone functions.
0: Wait, t- then uh, say we- that again? You, why is date any different?
1: Well, it's not, is what I'm saying.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Goodie, Therefore, it's an
1: exercise to the listener because the okay. date contains three numbers. They're just named differently, okay. but the concept is the same. Okay. So I'm going to leave that as an exercise. I'll, don't worry, I'll, I'll list your homework together at the end, but we're okay. going to pick up little pieces of it as we go. So we can use this clone function now that it exists. So we can say var t1 equals new pbs.time 5, 30 var t2 equals t1 dot clone. So that's how you use it. So what it Do is I to you have want to, to clone make it. t1 first? Oh, yes, you can't clone something that doesn't exist. Like you can't clone imaginary, imaginary uh, things.
0: Now I'm understanding a little bit more. Okay, I, I thought by definition you always call the clone unless you're actively trying not to ever have a duplicate of something. But even if you use it Literally. once, you have to, okay.
1: Yeah, you always, yeah, you always basically say, I, no I want a clone to of that guy. Okay. So T2 is now a clone of T1. Okay. So I console.log the two of them, and lo and behold, they're both five pm. I then say t one dot nine, t two dot four. If they were still linked, they would have both changed to nine and then both changed to four. And when I console.log them, they would both say four. Mm-hmm. However, because they were because we have a clone, that didn't happen. T one is nine and t two is four. It worked. Okay. Okay. Clone makes sense. So, again, date is exactly the same principle. Leave it for you. But date time is not, because date time contains two pieces of information, a date and a time, an object and another object. So that does not meet my definition of this is simple. It meets my definition of this is a little bit more complicated. Don't worry,
0: it's not horrendous. Can, can we say it bit. contains a pbs.date and a PD, pbs.time? Yes, we can. Okay, good. That was one of the dis- distinctions Joe made that I think makes my brain work better.
1: Good. Okay, we'll do that. Okay. I, I think I was trying to, but I may not <laughs> always succeed.
0: Sure. So so well, that, so that this clone? is not a number or a, or a Boolean or what was the third thing?
1: A uh, number Boolean string.
0: Or a string. It, this has actually got an object inside it.
1: This has got an object inside it, so we need to do a little bit more work. Okay. And actually, the actual clone function is going to look pretty much identical. Where we need to do the work is in the accessor methods because the constructor uses the accessor methods. Therefore, we don't have to edit the constructor because it's using the accessor methods. We only have to edit the accessor methods. This is, again, why the constructor calls the accessor methods because otherwise we'd have code reuse and we'd have to make the changes all over the place. This way, we only make the changes once. So I'm going to do so our date time contains two accessor functions, dot date for changing the date and dot time for, change, for accessing the time. So I am only going to show you dot date on the understanding that dot time is going to be very similar and will be an exercise for the listener. Okay. We have had to make only two changes, which I have highlighted in yellow. To, I just discovered this feature of my plugin for WordPress. I can <laughs> highlight
0: lines of code. Don't so forget, don't forget changed- the uh, Word Wrap button either. You don't have to deal with the scrolling. That is true. Oh, yes. Good point. Ding. (laughs) (laughs) That's the biggest enhancement to this series so far. (laughs) The plugin got updated. We're hoping that Bart and I didn't just not notice for the last two years.
1: Yes. So what we need to do in our accessor is in our accessor, when we get or set, we want to clone. So all we have to do, instead of saying return this dot date, we say return this dot date dot clone. Mm. And instead of saying this dot, instead of saying this dot underscore date equals becomes equal to d when we're in setter mode, we say this dot underscore date becomes equal to D.clone. Mm. So when bad. we're getting, we get a clone. When we're setting, we clone and then set, or we set a clone, whatever way you want to say that in English.
0: And that's it. Okay. We sort a, intentionally... a clone. I, uh, the, that part bothers me a little bit. Say that second one.
1: Okay, so let's. So this, when we're setting the value, you're, you're given a new value, and you're to stick it into your object. So don't stick in. Don't stick a reference in. Stick a clone in. So this underscore date becomes equal to d.clone. So clone it as you're saving it. D-
0: is d the clone?
1: Yes, we clone d, dot... d and then we save. So d.clone happens first, and then that be, then this underscore date becomes equal to a reference to the clone.
0: Okay.
1: Because it becomes equal to happens last, right?
0: D is the, the, D is the value that you're trying to force in to change the date.
1: Yes. So D is the argument. So in other words, I am saying that this date time is going to get a new date, which I'm calling D. And we're saying, okay, fine, I'm going to clone D and then save the clone.
0: But D is a, an object, so therefore we have to make a clone of it?
1: Correct. Okay. Exactly. That's it in a nutshell. Perfect. Yes. And the same when we're returning it, we want to return a clone so that people can't mess around with our insides against our wishes.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: And that's it. So once you've done that, you can then just edit your, uh, you can then just create your clone function exactly the same way as you did for dot time, uh, dot pbs.time and pbs.date. So that's it. And that's all I want to teach you in terms of JavaScript this time. Oh, good. Good. So your challenge is. Add a dot clone or add dot clone functions, plural, so one for each prototype. So you should add them to pbs.date and pbs.time, and then you should update the accessors in date time and then build your clone in date time. You'll know you have succeeded when the following code doesn't do spooky action at a distance. And I have one more set of typos to fix. Those says have to go. Uh, and that's your homework. Make those 10 lines of code not be spooky.
0: Despookify them. <laughs> okay. Um, the, we haven't talked much in here about what Jill and the test-driven development that she's talked to, to mm-hmm. me about on the side. Uh, one of the things I like about the test-driven development is it would tell me when this is doing it wrong. Like, this is what right, I think yes. it should do. What does it do? And I, I still need to figure out how to represent that to the... Uh, to the class because it's, it's pretty cool stuff.
1: I think we probably actually should have a dedicated, um, right now I'm in a flow of thought, so I'm not going to interrupt the flow of thought, but I think when this flow finishes, I think actually we should just take an entire PBS episode and talk about this idea of test driven development. Good, it's,
0: good, good, good. I would really like that because I've been trying to figure out how to do it without you. Cause I, I'm really excited about it and I use it a lot, but I can't figure out what show I would shove it into. Like, just do my own little chit-chat with myself. <laughs> if I could get Jill yeah, on the show, but uh, that's not going to happen. It's a
1: way of thinking, and it, it's a way of thinking that's not particularly useful if you're doing five-line made-up examples. It's, still, it's not useless. I can hear Jill shouting in her iPad. Yeah, oh, I like
0: it even on that, because I, I was able to get your, your test to run when it was wrong, but it's because I didn't understand what it was supposed to be doing. It was running, and it would go, here's a date. And I, it looked like it worked to me, but then I didn't. Then I had to sit back and think, okay, what did I think it should look like?
1: Yeah, oh, sugar, that should have been the 1st of April, but it was the 4th of January.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, I, I mean, I, I told it it was the 35th of February, and it said, yep. That's fine. <laughs> I'm no <good."> problem. <laughs> but what I needed it to say was, well, no, you shouldn't have gotten an answer to that.
1: Okay, yeah, that cool. Have, that should have thrown an error. So, yeah. Uh, So no, I definitely want to talk about that because, I mean, these prototypes we're doing are not huge, right? They're not earth-shattering prototypes. They're giant and they're really hard
0: and I love them because I can do them now.
1: (laughs) Right, but even at this scale where it's basically, I mean, we're doing stuff at a level of first-year undergrad, which is not bad going, right? First-year undergrad university, that's okay. (laughs) You know, we're not quite Google writing, you know, the search bot,
0: I'm writing but a self-driving car that? algorithm while you're not paying oh, attention. Excellent.
1: I really <laughs> hope you're doing plenty of test-driven development because I prefer <laughs> not to be splattered. Okay, so that wraps up our revision, um, and we just have one—we have one small piece of HTML I want to teach you for the rest of today. Great. Okay, so that's enough revisiony stuff. Let, let's um, let's do something new before we finish up today. All right. Um, let's. So we're still on the broad topic of HTML forms, but today we're taking what seems like a big detour, but it's a very useful thing that we're going to be using from now on uh, with all the formy stuff. So the last time we finished up having created buttons and we used the uh, CSS attribute based selectors to make submit buttons different to um, reset buttons or cancel buttons and so forth. That was pretty um, exciting. It was. And we used little 16 by 16 pixel uh, PNGs to, to to make those buttons more intuitive, more obvious by giving them little icons. Right. And I said that 16 pixel by 16 pixel PNGs is not the appropriate thing to do because they don't scale. They're vector uh, pixel-based images. They are not vectors in any way. And so if you make a bigger button, you also need a bigger... PNG. And if you make a smaller button, I guess you can shrink them, but they're not going to look very good. So you really do want something that's a bit less pixely. So you want some kind of icon. And this is a common problem. So unsurprisingly, all the great minds of the world have come together and come up with a solution. Uh, The solution is both complex and trivial. So. It's complex to create one of these icon sets and it's trivial to use one. So oh, luckily okay. we're
0: here to use. <laughs> oh, good, good. I don't need more headbendy stuff today.
1: Exactly. So th-
0: these, th- they tend
1: to be called glyph icons or uh, glyph icon sets or iconic fonts. Yeah. And what these do is they combine a whole bunch of technologies together. So they combine... Scalable vector graphics, web fonts, and CSS to produce easy-to-create little icons, or easy-to-use little icons. So actually building... The idea is not a million miles away from the old Wingdings font in Windows 3.1. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're using what, as far as a browser is concerned, is a font to make icons, And you can do it yourself if you plan on learning lots of skills, which I'm not. Um, (laughs) Or you can buy beautifully done commercial ones. Probably the leader of the pack there is a company called Glyphicons, as in glyph icons all smushed together.
2: Uh,
1: But luckily for us, we live in a world where there's lots of free and open source stuff. So there is a nice free open source uh, glyph icon set known as Font Awesome.
0: (laughs) So they've got a sense of humor too.
1: They've got a sense of humor too. Now if you go to the webpage at the moment, you're going to get a big ad asking you to fund their next version. So it, it may make you think this is a commercial product, but if you actually watch the video, they explain that no, 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 we're still free and open source, but if you want to help us out making the next iteration of this great font, you can support us now and then you get free access to extra stuff which is all cool. I mean, any way you can fund open source is good by me. So although it may not appear at first glance, uh, Font Awesome is free and it is open source. okay, cool. And that's what we're going to use for this series. But
0: not a bad idea to support them if you get great value, right?
1: Absolutely. So right now we're on version four of the Font Awesome icon set and version five is in development. So we'll be using four um, and Yeah, we'll use it for the entire series. So from now on, we're going to have this as another tool. So just like jQuery is something we now just include, we're also going to start just including Font Awesome because it's pretty awesome. So if you're going to use this for real for yourself, for a real project you're actually working on, you should create an account for yourself on Font Awesome's content delivery network or CDN. Because unlike jQuery, there isn't a single URL for a specific version of Font Awesome. Instead, you create an account and then you choose some options, and you get given a custom URL just for you. Now it will work on every browser, right? Because this is client-side stuff, but it's for you to use in your websites. And you can go into that control panel at any time and change your settings, and magically the stuff delivered to the browsers changes. So you <laughs> would build. So if you were doing like a particular website, you might create a link for that website and then you could keep that website locked at version 3 of Font Awesome Forever and then you're working on another website, you create another link which is locked at version 4 forever, that kind of thing.
0: So kind of like what we were doing with jQuery but you have to have this custom URL? Yeah. And so okay. it's, it's
1: a bit easier to manage because if you want to upgrade a website, you go into that website's custom URL and up, and just tick the box and say, actually, no, I'm going to change you from three to four. And then that website gets upgraded. So it's, it's a nice way of managing your integration, actually. But for this series, there's no need to get so complicated. I have created a link for PBS. So as far as you're concerned, because this is not a real thing we're doing, this is just us playing around. You can copy and paste the uh, little bit of code in the show notes, and that will get you font awesome. So okay. it's just a link rel equals style sheet, href equals font awesome, and then some random gibberish, which is my unique code for my particular URL.
0: Okay. And that's okay uh, for but, us to use yours, huh?
1: Absolutely. That's So it's basically, it's the URL I have created for PBS.
0: Oh, okay. It's specifically for this. Okay.
1: So I'm not going to use that for anything I do for real, because then I can't, you know, that, that, that just wouldn't be a good idea. So this is just for PBS. Uh, there's also two variants of Font Awesome. There's a JavaScript flavor and a pure CSS flavor. The JavaScript flavor does some extra automation that I don't want to do, at least for now. So we're going to use the plain old, no, just a plain old simple CSS variant. Okay. So basically we include that CSS file, And then we have Font Awesome at our disposal. So how do we make an icon with Font Awesome? Well, Font Awesome basically comes as a bunch of CSS classes that someone else has written. So they get sucked in through that URL. So what we do is we make an empty inline tag. We give it a few magic classes and that empty tag turns into an icon. Because it's a font based icon, its size will match the text we are working with, as will its color.
2: So if okay, you have I didn't text,
0: actually understand what you said. Say okay, so, s- what do How do so we, you make. Go ahead.
1: Okay. So you make an empty tag that contains no content and you give it a CSS class. So class equals. Some special CSS classes we'll talk about. Wait, wait, sorry, then, back up.
0: What do you mean by an empty tag?
1: As in a tag that's like open span, no content whatsoever, close span. An okay, empty
0: tag. Okay, but an empty span tag. It doesn't have to be a span. Okay. We're going to
1: use spans, but okay. it doesn't have
0: to be a span. And I've can never be- figured out what spans are yet. Anyway, but okay. So we're going to have it an empty be- tag.
1: It can be any inline tag. And we're just going to give it classes. And because we've included that Font Awesome library, those spans will magically turn into icons. Hmm. Just like that. That's all we have to do. We just open span, class equals, put in the classes, close span, magic, an icon appears. It is that simple. Now, on their website, Font Awesome recommend that you do this with an empty I tag. Now, this is controversial at best. First off, the i tag has sort of been deprecated because we should be using the em tag now. So I've never even told you that the i tag exists. Secondly, I've told you about the importance of semantic markup. Your HTML should say what something is. If you have a paragraph, use the p tag and so forth. So using the i tag is just wrong.
0: It's just it's not semantically correct. So I, we are I, not I, going what, to do what that. Do you, uh, sorry, I feel like I, I've slept through class again. What i tag? What do you...
1: I haven't even told you it exists. There is a tag, which is just I. It exists in HTML. <laughs> I have never mentioned it. But this is what is used in all the examples on the Font Awesome webpage. We're not going to use it. We're going to use span. I know you don't like spans, but we're okay. going to use span. Okay. I just want to say that because it's if you the go to letter website. I?
0: So it's, it's open bracket, the letter I, close bracket?
1: Yes, just like a P tag okay. is the letter P okay. in a tag.
0: All right. So the thing we don't know about, we shouldn't use, but if we see it over on the uh, Font Awesome website, that's what it is. It's a thing we don't want to use. Precisely. Because otherwise, if I didn't
1: say that, then you'd go over there and you'd get almighty confused. And I don't want to do that to you. Okay. So what we want to do is, just like here in the show notes, angle bracket, span, space, class equals, fa, space, fa, thumbs up, close everything off. So basically, the rule is you have to have the class FA to say this is a Font Awesome and then a space and then the actual name for the icon you want. So the icon for a thumbs up is FA minus thumbs minus up. So you don't have to learn these. There is a web page on the Font Awesome website where they list them all. So there's a little search page. So. It's linked there in the show notes. If you go to the font icon search page, you can see all the icons available to us now by scrolling down.
0: I, I'm, I'm not catching up. I have, I'm having to read a bunch of text here. Where, where is the link to the... I'm seeing... Okay, so it, fa- it's in the 1p. paragraph
1: under link rel equals style sheet. It says icon search page, and then has the icon to say it's an external link. If you're searching the page okay. for icon search page... Yeah, I wasn't
0: anywhere near that. Okay. I was below that. Okay. All right. I am now caught up to where I can search. I still don't okay. really know what we're... Okay. Well, don't search. Scroll. Doing. Okay. okay.
1: See all of those pretty little icons? Yeah. They are the... That is the entire collection of Font Awesome icons. They are all available to us.
0: Okay. So, a, like, there's fun. a battery full icon. Well, we'll there never is? really use that. Let's do a battery dash two icon. Battery dash one. Mm-hmm. It's almost out. Right. So, we would put... We, Class equals, quote, F-A space battery dash one, close quote.
1: F-A dash battery dash one.
0: So it's F-A space F-A dash? Yeah. Why do we have to do F-A twice?
1: Because otherwise you would end up with problems that you, someone else might have a CSS class called anchor or address card or something. So by putting the F-A in front of it again, you stop the Font Awesome library having unintended side effects.
0: But we're already saying F-A once. Doesn't that right. tell that doesn't it
1: not No, that doesn't matter because every CSS class is its own thing. So if you already had a CSS class called, say, anchor or asterisk or at or ban.
0: Well, then it wouldn't then have then an FA a in class. front of it.
1: Right. Okay. But, okay. So the space <laughs> is a separator. FA is a class. Space, whatever comes after it, is a different class. So these are two classes? Two classes. We're giving it two classes, the class FA and the class FA something. So the space separates our classes. So FA is a class, and then FA-thumbs-up is another class. So it gets two
0: classes. Okay. I've never gotten no. to type any classes yet, remember, so this doesn't ring any bells. Okay. Oh, okay. Memory problems you definitely have. <laughs> I don't done, It's we, a long time ago. But, we haven't done homework when we did CSS, Bart. You might have taught me, but we didn't do challenges back then. Okay. So I, I haven't ever okay, typed this, to my knowledge. We are heading towards okay. those
1: challenges, but I'm not interrupting in the middle of our... Oh,
0: no, no, no. I'm not telling you to. I'm just saying I didn't know that that was true. I believe you've told us. I do believe that. Okay. Okay. So,
1: okay. so the I'm space in the t- middle of a t-
0: quote t- is two different classes.
1: Yes. So okay. So the space is a separator. Yeah. Huh. All right. It's both simple and perhaps not obvious. <laughs> yeah. E- easy to type. Easy not to, e- Easy to miss. Okay. So as a general rule, you make an empty, sp- an empty span and you give it the class FA and then the class of the icon you want, and that's it. You get an icon. So I'd actually like you, the at the very top of the page, there is now a link to a zip file, uh, which contains a file called pbs29.html, which contains lots and lots of icons. And we're, we're going to keep referring to that example so you can see for real what I'm talking about. Okay. And I think that helpful to see yeah. what these look like so the thumbs up is the first one we're going to talk about so that's right in the header of the page
0: i'm there okay i cheated i, I got mine downloaded ahead of t- ahead of class so ah, i'm okay
1: you. i was was, was all having, puns intended well, tennis people call a comfort break <laughs> uh, which i think is a wonderful euphemism <laughs> I ran into I Steve
0: during, Bart and I actually took a break between the first and second halves of this and halves of this. And I ran into Steve and I said, I learned a new Bartism, nuttier, nuttier than squirrel poo. I learned it from someone. So someone somewhere
1: gets credit for that. <laughs> but I love it to bits.
0: Oh, it's it's fantastic. Because so it, it takes a second. Yeah. It's a slow burn. <laughs> and then you go, oh, yeah, I gotcha.
1: OK, so you'll see on that page, it says PBS29, font awesome demo, and then a thumbs up. Right. So if you do a view source on that page, you'll see that the source for that is simply just what we have in the show notes there. Span class equals fa space fa
0: thumbs up. Fa dash thumbs dash up. Yeah. Okay.
1: In the line below it, you will see another thumbs up and it's the right size. So basically Ah. the size matches the text because it's a font. So So the first one
0: was was in a header tag. So it's giant. And the second one is in a, a paragraph and it's a little tiny one. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. it will
1: match. It matches because it's a font. It matches your appropriate stuff. So when you're doing buttons and stuff, there's no more worrying about how do how do I size this icon. Just stick it in there. It'll be right.
0: Ooh. Okay. Now I'm getting motivated.
1: Now I know getting you motivated. said it,
0: but but seeing it helps. Okay.
1: So you always have two classes: the class fa and the one for the icon you want. But that's not everything that Font Awesome can do. They also give you optional. Third, fourth, fifth classes to do even more cool things. So, the first thing you can do is intentionally make your icon a little bit bigger than the text. So, its size is still relative to the text, but you want to make it a little bit bigger than the text it's relative to to make it stand out a little. And so, the class for that is FA LG, which you remember as Font Awesome Large. Okay. And then, obviously, someone after between version 1 and version 2 of something went, but I want it, like, bigger. And then someone else went, I want it, like, bigger, 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 bigger. So they added FA2X, FA3X, FA4X, and believe it or not, FA5X.
0: <laughs> and bigger so, than that, just stop it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you can see on the third example, you have a bullhorn, which is a little bit bigger than the text, and then we have a bullhorn that's just stupid big. That's so that's L G is the first bullhorn and five X is the last bullhorn.
0: What else I like is if you do a command plus on a browser and increases the font size, it increases the size of that bullhorn to be even sillier.
1: Yeah, because it's tied to the font. So in indeed, in terms of screen magnification, that's another advantage you get from tying it to the font. And it's still smooth. And I mean, it's still smooth because it's vector based.
0: Yeah, it's not getting I'm I'm getting it to where it's you supposed to the size stupid, of the screen. Stupid, 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 yeah. Nice and smooth.
1: Now, the other thing is because it's text, even though it looks like a bullhorn or whatever, it will obey the color CSS properties that you give your text. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you can do things like on the second line where we have our three battery icons, battery full in green, battery half in yellow and battery empty in red. Hmm. We can make text red so we can make these icons red.
0: And he has done that by saying class equals FA, fa-battery-half fa and then style equals color orange. Yeah. Hmm.
1: So you can make them any color you like. And they will just match the color. So if you have a red paragraph and you just stick one in, well, it'll become red because the whole paragraph is red. It behaves just like text. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Then there are special classes for rotating the icons. If you um. wanted your bullhorn to point up. And they are fa-rotate-90. minus, rotate minus 90 minus 180, and minus 270. So you can see on the fourth paragraph, we have lightning bolts going in all four directions. I don't know why lightning would go up from the ground, but it can if you rotate it.
0: Doesn't it go up from the ground?
1: Technically speaking, I believe a (laughs) leader goes up, which then triggers the large bolt to go down.
0: Okay, I was going to say. Which of
1: those is the bolt? Right. (laughs) Um, Also, as you can see, I made the lightning bolts orange because, well, I can. (laughs) So I did. (laughs) You can also mirror and flip. So some things will look wrong if rotated. So you can flip those either vertically or horizontally. So that's FA dash. uh, Let me just make sure I say it right. FA dash flip horizontal and FA dash flip dash vertical.
0: So, okay, let me back up a little bit. Um, On the coloring it orange, you did Mm -hmm. a span that said color orange. And then right after that, you said span class, FA dash, FA dash bolt. And then you had the rotate 90, 180, and 270. Why are they all orange? They're not inside that color span. Well, they are
1: because the color span wraps around the, the four spans for each lightning bolt. So just like you can Why? make a whole paragraph Oh, because it's got a
0: slash span the- afterwards. Sorry, didn't see that. I thought the slash span was up on that top line. Nope. Okay. That nah, totally makes sense. So it's sense.
1: literally contained within. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. You can... Also optionally add a subtle little border around your icons. So that is F-A minus border. And so you can see the padlock icon can become a little padlock icon with a pretty border around it.
0: Oh, that's kind of fun. Yeah.
1: Now you can also go completely bananas. You can make the glyphicons float. So then you can do things like, a, I have a poem here, and to mark that it's a quotation of William Wordsworth, I have added a glyphicon just before the letter I, in I wandered lonely as a cloud. And I have made it a 5X, actually no, I only made it a 3X, I changed my mind, 5X looked really stupid. Um, so I made it a 3X uh, glyph, which I gave a border and told to pull Wait, right? No, left. Yeah, I always get left and right mixed up. So they don't call it float. It's fa dash pull dash left, fa dash pull dash right, and you can use that in conjunction with fa dash border and fa dash three x. So
0: Does you can that mean see you could give you... it a border class also?
1: No, no. So the border is I can is just
0: barely see that border. In fact, I looked at your little locks and I made happy noises, but I can't see that. It's
1: subtle. It's, it's, it's very subtle. But don't there are still ways of making a less subtle border. Okay. We'll get to that in a moment. Because uh-huh. the last thing, well, not the last, but one of the last things I want to tell you about is the fact that built in, out of the box, you can stack one icon on top of another. Oh. So when you stack icons, you do it by making... A span that's going to hold two spans. So the outer span is the stack, and it gets the special class. Um, let me just make sure I say this right. It gets the special class. Scrolly, scrolly, scrolly. FA-stack. FA-stack.
0: Why isn't FA space FA-stack? Because
1: that is, the stack is not an icon itself. The stack is just containing the icon. So only the actual icon will get the FA.
0: But don't you so have F-A-stack. to tell it to go to the FA library first?
1: No, the FA stack just exists. So F A is just saying I'm a font icon, I'm a font awesome icon, and then F A heart is which icon I am. So you only say FA for the actual icon. Huh. So the the stack itself isn't an F A. The stack itself is a stack. So it's just span classic goes FA stack. Then inside the stack you put two icons, and it's exactly two. You can't I don't think you can stack too really many. I think it's exactly two. Uh and in order for this to work properly, you always need to make one of them bigger than the other, because otherwise they'll just co- it just won't look right.
0: Okay. So and so the big one gets
1: yeah. So the big one gets fa minus stack minus two x, and the the normal size one gets fa dash stack minus one x, and then the one you put first goes on the bottom, and the one you put second goes over it. So sometimes you want the big one on the bottom and something small over it, and sometimes you want the small one on the bottom and something big over it. So you're free to do it either way around, but whatever you put first goes on the bottom. Uh, and you can also invert one of them so that whatever is, trans- is present becomes not present, and whatever is... Basically, they're all silhouettes, so you can flip the silhouette around.
0: Oh, okay. By inverse, it means make it white versus black? Or, or blue orange?
1: versus... It basically... Color versus not color. Okay. Because there are silhouettes.
0: Okay. Right, right.
1: So as an example, I can have a big love heart with a small Apple logo in front of it. <laughs> and so you can see the code for that in the thingy. So it's basically the outer span as class fa stack, which contains a span of class fa, fa heart, fa stack 2x. So in other words, the one on the bottom is big. And then next to that, we have fa, fa apple. F-A stack 1X, which makes the apple the small one of the two, F-A inverse. So instead of it being a black apple icon, it's a lack of black. So in other words, the (laughs) apple icon is white or see-through or whatever. So we have a love heart with an apple taken out, which is cute. Yeah. However, to be honest, the most common reason you would want to stack icons is to put a ban sign over something. I know when you were talking to Alistair, that was immediately what you went to in, in terms of these kind of things. Yeah. So you can give a color to one or the other, just like you can any other icon we've done. So in this case, what you actually want is the little icon on the back, which is in this case a camera, and the big icon in front colored red. And so you can see the code for that as well, which is, again, sort of as you would expect. So span fa stack and you can make the entire stack big by giving it the class fa 5x or fa 3x or whatever so we take the entire stack and grow it and then inside there we say fa fa camera fa stack 1x so the camera's on the bottom and it's the normal size and then we say after that fa fa ban fa stack 2x style color colon red and that gives us the bigger eh -er sign across the camera Hmm. so that is a vector based no camera icon. I like you it. Can, and plus it gets bigger, 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 bigger.
0: By the way, I went and made your heart red instead of black. You, okay, great. Perfect. So you're you're following along perfectly. Look at me experimenting. So square square O. Are we ever? Oh, I skipped ahead. Sorry, we're not to that one yet. uh,
1: Yeah, square outline is is an empty square. So, yeah, I just realized that my example goes in one order and my show notes go in the other. So I'm following my example. I should have been following my show notes. Okay. So as well as using the icons just within text, just as you would, you can also, they actually have provided you with some extra helper classes to use the icons as the bullets in a bulleted list. Oh, wow. So anything in that massive library, you can turn into a bullet. In a bulleted list, which is really fun. Didn't
0: we do so, that a long time ago when I wanted like little piggy faces or something? Yeah, we used images. Yeah, okay. And they didn't scale.
1: <laughs> this way they scale. So okay, and I'm we going off to search stuff. to see
0: if they have a piggy image. <laughs> they
2: probably
0: do. They got a cow.
1: This, well, if they have a cow. They must have a <gasps> pig.
0: A No, pig they don't have a pig. Oh, I've got to pay for the professional one. Okay, keep going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, to make a, a bulleted list with these kind of icons, the first thing you do is you, you go to the UL tag defining the unordered list, i.e., the bulleted list, and you give it the special class F A minus UL. Oh. So, you're saying to the Font Awesome Library, this whole list here is going to be funny. And then inside each L.I., you make your icon as normal, but you give it an extra class. F.A. minus L.I. Yeah, that makes sense. That will move the icon to the point where the little listy thing should be. Yeah. And so then you can make something like a checklist. So I have the underpants gnome checklist. Step one, steal underpants. Tick. Step two, hmm. Step three, profit. And as is always the case with the poor underpants gnomes, they only ever get as far as step one. (laughs) <laughs> Steve
0: Lundgren. So um, I had a question, but I was stuck laughing. Oh, uh, does it matter the order inside the class? Could you say F H uh, check square O and then F A and then F A L I? Does it have to be in that order? The order is irrelevant. Okay. That's, wouldn't make any yeah. sense, but actually, to me, I would always want to put fa first. Somehow, it bothers me that it's not. But, but actually, no. It's I should probably learn it this way because fa-li has nothing to do with calling the font fontawesome library because fa-li is not a font. Right, is F-A-L-I?
1: right? fa-li is basically saying non- this is not part of making the icon. This is part of making the whole icon behave, move itself somewhere okay. it shouldn't ordinarily wouldn't ordinarily be, so that okay. it looks correct as the list. Um. And so that's, that's a pretty good rundown of Font Awesome. So now that we know all this, let's circle right back to where we left off last time and let's redo our buttons. But this time we're not going to use little PNGs. We're going to use little Font Awesome.
0: Ah, this or is why difficult. you didn't want us to have homework doing it the wrong way.
1: Right, the yes, hard way, we're not quite at the stage. we're not quite at the stage where we're doing things properly. So once we are at the stage where we're doing things properly, then I want you to start repeating because I want you to... In, to weld into your brain the right way right. to do things.
0: Don't practice the wrong way. Got it. Right. So
1: our code is actually superbly similar to last time. I basically copied and pasted the whole lot, and then I just went in and found the IMG tags and replaced them with span tags and gave them the class FA, FA minus refresh for the reset icon, FA, FA minus remove for the cancel icon, and FA, FA minus save for the save icon. Hmm. And lo and behold, we got nice little
0: icons. Look at that. i got to go find the thing to make them big so I can see what those are. (laughs) So that is what I want to teach you today. So
1: pbs29.html shows all this in action and it's available in the zip file. And that's sort of where we're done for today. But I, I do want to give you a sneak peek of where we're going. So... Next time, we're going to continue with our dual track approach. So we're going to, again, look at the look at your homework, basically, uh, and my sample solution to, to the homework. And then we're not going to solve a bad smell next time because all the stinkiness will be gone. What we are going to do is add another important type of functionality. Basically, it, a lot of prototypes you create represent something which is, in some sense, comparable. So dates and times can be greater than or less than each other in terms of being before or after. They could be the same as each other. So we really need to write functions to allow us to say, is this date the same as that date? Is this time before or after that time? And right now our prototypes have no way of doing comparison. You can't compare two times and see if they're the same. You can't say that five o'clock is after four o'clock. Or not. We don't have our our prototypes. Can't do that, and they should be able to do that. So we're going to make them be able to do that next time. Interesting. And then, so that'll be track one. And then our parallel track is these glyph icons. We now have them working as pretty things for sighted people to see. What we haven't say, yeah. What we haven't talked about is what about people who are not sighted? So we are going to discuss. A standard. It's called the ARIA standard. It's from the World Wide Web Consortium, the W3C. And it, our ARIA stands for Accessible Rich Internet Applications. Hmm. In other words, making stuff accessible. And ARIA is actually a collection of CSS classes that have been standardized so that screen readers know what they mean. They don't change the look of something, they change the meaning of something to a screen reader. And we will use ARIA to tell screen readers that these empty spans are to be ignored by the screen reader. They are just ornamentation. They're not actually part of the information. The word save is the information. The span class equals fa save, that's ornament. So a screen reader shouldn't waste its time cluttering up the blind person's reading you know over voiceover it shouldn't try to voice over that it does there's no need to say icon save it should just say save
0: okay but what about something like the uh red no icon on top of the camera doesn't that have meaning we
1: want to do something else right exactly so where it has meaning we want to use aria to do something else and basically so aria allows us to have bits of the page invisible to humans but visible to the screen reader and vice versa. So, so we might have that pretty icon for human for sighted people, and next to it, but invisible on the page, an aria tag that says "no cameras allowed." Oh, right, 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 right. So I, the screen reader gets the English, and the humans get the or the not the not the humans. The screen <laughs> uh, Yeah, the screen reader is a robot, but that the robot is acting on behalf of a human. Right. Uh, <laughs> so the people using the screen reader get the benefit of the English, and the people just looking with their eyes get the benefit of the pretty icon. And so sometimes you might just say, make it vanish for the screen reader. Sometimes you might just say, replace it with this instead. So basically ARIA is a whole big thing about telling screen readers what they should do. And so as we're developing our web forms, we need to be cognizant of people with accessibility needs. So we need to make sure that anything we do to make our form more friendly to sighted people at the very, 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 very least, doesn't make our form worse for unsighted people or for people with visual, you know, visual issues of some sort, because right. that would be terrible if we make it
0: worse. Well, and, but and not only should we do no harm, we might even try to be actively helpful. <laughs> I, I can't help but think about the, the Unicode standard with emojis where it always reads it out loud so uh, when Lindsay gave me the tip oh, of putting little uh, emojis on my contacts so that I can tell them apart visually, mm-hmm. now when I call Pat Dangler, it says, Pat Dangler, desktop computer. And when I call Lindsay, it <laughs> says, Lindsay, smiling face with halo on top. You know, and, and every member of my family or my good friends have these funny names when it says <laughs> it out loud. Well, that doesn't actually add value in a, if you think about that as being like a screen reader, right?
1: Right, exactly. So if you were doing some sort of web interface where you're making heavy use of these glyphicons to, to ornament stuff, you, just you would waste really time. like... Exactly, you'd really like voiceover to just skip over them. Yeah. And that's what we're going to learn how to do. And we're not going to learn the entire ARIA standard. What we're going to do is basically we're going to introduce the concept and how it works, and then as we go, we're going to meet more of the standard. So over the next many weeks, we're going to learn about more things we can do to help make things accessible. So I want to just next time, I just want to teach you the sort of the big picture. Here's how the whole thing hangs together. And then we'll meet the little individual pieces as we go.
0: Very cool. Well, this has been a really fun episode. It took us uh, four hours to record it, time, but uh, I had fun in both pieces of this. I like this dual track thing. This is this is really neat. Learning new stuff, but still, you know, grinding away, getting the repetition going on JavaScript. This is fun.
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting experiment, so I'm glad to see that's working out. Um, and uh, yeah, well, you have more homework today, so that's more fun. And until next time, happy... Wait, what do I say on this one? Happy computing? It I think be. so. I think so. Try it again. <laughs> <laughs> until next time, happy computing.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. We are now supported by Patreon. So if you go over to podfeet.com slash Patreon, you can pledge your support to the show in weekly installments. If you don't have money to spare, I understand that, and it would be great if you used our Amazon affiliate links when you buy things on Amazon anyway, and a little bit of money goes to help the show. I love feedback, so please send me email at allison at podfeed.com, and you can join in our Facebook group over at podfeed.com slash Facebook, and our community at podfeed.com slash Google+. Thanks for listening, and stay subscribed.